0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: What is better than this? It's guys... Being Dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network at Grinding the Tape. Mr. Joe Marino went ahead and got himself hitched over the weekend. So there will be no Joe Marino on this week of the Draft Dudes. Uh, As much as that hurts me to say, I I do think it's probably fair to let the man go on his honeymoon and not have me calling him at 8 a.m. every morning waking him up. Uh, to talk about football. I'm sure his lovely missus is is greatly appreciative of my self-restraint, although I can't promise that I won't at least try and call him once. Guess we'll see. Uh, We are here today to talk about the AFC South. This was an interesting division. Teams, uh, Houston and Indianapolis are in the crosshairs today, and uh, this is kind of a tale of two draft classes. As I look through, uh, let's start with the good, right? Because I don't, I don't want to drop the Texans listeners immediately within the first five seconds of, of starting the analysis on the podcast. So, I look at the Colts. Uh, Colts picked up an extra second round pick in order to um, trade out of the twenty sixth selection. They dropped to thirty four. And uh, they, they get Rocky Sin, corner from Temple, Bam Banigu, and Paris Campbell, the other two second round picks. Bobby Okariki, Kari Willis, Marvell Tell, EJ Speed, Jared Green, Jackson Barton, Javon Patterson, the full slate of selections for the Indianapolis Colts. And um, I like what the Colts were able to do. I think they they very clearly had some objectives for their team and their roster and, and the way they wanted to, to attack looking to stay competitive in the conference because it's, it's going to get dicey, right? They, I mean, there's chiefs aren't going away. Uh, the Patriots aren't going away. Uh, Browns are making a push. Uh, the Steelers still have to be dethroned in general and be and prove that they can stay down. You know, they're one of those teams that they'll have a down year every once and again, but they don't typically stay down, and then you got the Chargers, and so interesting dynamics in the AFC, and and it's really I, I like the thought process of adding physical defenders. You look at the linebackers that they took; they wanted guys that w- with tackle radius and athleticism. And they they want to be able to teach you the rest of that stuff, but like Bobby Okereke at eighty nine. Um, is is a pick that makes a lot of sense when you consider exactly why the Colts had success with Darius Leonard last year. They got a guy who was meant a little bit raw. They took a shot on the traits, and everything clicked perfectly for for Leonard. So, Okariki is another player in that same kind of mold with the length that he has and how he can play physical. And now he is a, a pretty good athlete. So. Um, I, I, like that addition, but really this draft is going to come down to these first three picks, Rockison, Bam Banigou, and Paris Campbell. The Paris Campbell one, I think meshes well when you put it in the Colts offense, right? So the Colts have Eric Ebron at tight end. You've got T.Y. Hilton as the obvious number one receiver on the team. Paris Campbell made a living at Ohio State by being the guy who ran the crossers and broke angles and coverage and pursuit with the speed that he was really able to carry horizontally across the field. That's not to say he can't get vertical on you because the dude runs like four three flat. Like, yeah, he's got some juice to burn. Uh, where this, I think, is really likable is when you project it into... Uh, bunch sets are, are when you put Hilton and Campbell on the same side of the line of scrimmage, or on the same side of the football. So, twin sets with these two guys stacked against each other. You're going to have to give a lot of cushion. You're going to have to concede a lot of space immediately because of the burst, the explosiveness, and the speed that Paris Campbell is really going to be able to afford your offense. And that is, in turn, going to manufacture a lot of extra space, a lot of room, for free releases off the line of scrimmage, and a lot of room to work after the catch, which was another area that Paris Campbell was really, really good at at Ohio State. So I think pairing him with a guy like T.Y. makes a ton of sense. But my favorite pick is Ben Banigu. No question, my favorite personal favorite pick, Ben Banigou, uh, of this Colts draft class. Banigou, uh didn't really get a chance to to kind of cultivate his pass rush at the college level. He was a team defense kind of player. You know, you stay in your gaps. You know your role. You, you stay true to those responsibilities. And uh, everything else is kind of secondary. And, and Banagoo coming out of TCU, you know he's not super developed in these areas, but you get to put him with Justin Houston. I like that a lot. You look at his athletic profile how explosive he is for his size, and how sudden he is. You have to like that a lot. So the Colts suddenly now have Justin Houston, Kamoko Ture, a guy in Banagoo that I'm actually quite high on. He was my 62nd rated player, came off the board at 49. So it was was appropriate value for the selection, right? And I think they've really set themselves up not just – to win now, but to really maximize. And they're already a team that, that's beyond the rookie quarterback contract issue. They have to build out the rest of the team now. And doing so um, with a three- to five-year window in mind makes all these picks of Okariki and Campbell, and, and Yassin, all that much more exciting. Yassin was the one for me that I looked at it, no surprise because I, I do think Rock, for as good as he can be, and for how physical he is, and how I love his tackling habits and his effort level, and how stout he is on the boundary, I did feel like he was a player that was a few years away from really playing to his potential. And you're going to get some growing pains with that. Now, if you don't ask Rock to be the featured corner, does that help? Absolutely, That will help mitigate the issues. They signed Pierre Desir to a contract, re-upped him, and he's a guy who really turned the corner. So I think when you put the Yassin pick in context, it makes it a little bit better than, for me, I wouldn't have gone with Yassin with some of the other corners that were available. Uh, DeAndre Baker went 30 Byron and Murphy went 33 and Rock went 34. Everybody else was still on the board. I thought felt as though you probably could have targeted some other options, and I would have liked the player better. But it is a sensible scheme fit, and it is something that if you project his ceiling, I, I can understand buying in on the ceiling. But that now that comes down to the coaching staff and player development. Think that's going to do it here for the Colts. Uh, quick shout-out to Kari Willis. I think he was one of my favorite picks on day three. Kari can do a lot. Just don't ask him to play deep middle, and the Colts have some guy named Hooker back there playing deep middle. So, uh, again, sensible fit with scheme, strengths, and weaknesses, the desire of the team to add good tackling defensive backs between Yassin and Kari Willis. Heck, even Marvell Tell, who we don't know if he's going to play corner or safety, The Colts really did a nice job targeting areas of need and drafting players that fit their profile. The Houston Texans, try to give you guys 10 minutes to get out of here so you didn't have to listen to this, uh, also had very clear uh, marching orders as far as what it was that they wanted to achieve in this draft class, and I thought... Their mentality was great, right? Offensive line, no matter what, no questions asked. You had to take offensive linemen to protect Deshaun Watson, who was, dra- was hit 62 or sacked 62 times last year. 62 times. Unforgivable number. And then I look through this Houston Texans draft. They took Titus Howard, Lonnie Johnson, and Max Sharping with their first three picks. One of the things that I've done this year, which is new for me, and I'm really excited about it, is uh, when the draft is over, I'm scoring the picks from my personal board for... The trade from the tra- using the points from the trade value chart uh, in the build up to Joe's wedding, I had a chance to spend a couple days with uh, Brett Whitefield of Pro Football Focus, who is a super good dude and and so much fun to talk football with. And that was a suggestion of his. He said, "Have you ever considered you know putting this filter on your board and, and seeing what the pick values look like for?" The opportunity to draft a player versus the return based on your own individual scoring. Titus Howard and Lonnie Johnson are the two worst valued picks in the entire draft using this model against my own personal big board. 23rd and 54th selections. And I didn't have either one of them in my top 200 players. They are gifted players. Make no mistake, there's potential with these players. But there is so much that is going to have to go right with these players. And I can't guarantee that. Titus Howard out of Alabama State, Houston flinched. They panicked. They had Andre Dillard on the board. Eagles traded up one spot in front of them to 22, and they snatched Andre Dillard was the Texans' top offensive tackle. Texans panicked. Cody Ford was still on the board. Jawan Taylor was still on the board. Dalton Reisner still on the board. You need offensive line. And you draft Titus Howard? Ugh. That's a tough pill to swallow. Because you look at the Texans and you look at who they have on that roster... And you're getting a lot of the exact same thing. You're getting raw upside guy, Julian Davenport, Titus Howard. It's cut from the same cloth, so that's concerning to me because the Texans have not been able to develop the offensive lineman that they've had, and they've taken a chance on some smaller, cool guys earlier. And I know you don't scout the helmet, but I scout the traits. And there's a lot of the same questions as far as functional application of football skills and techniques and fundamentals. And Titus Howard, I think, for as promising as he is, has a lot to go in that area. So that concerns me a lot. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, uh, the Texans are experiencing a lot of shift and overhaul in their defensive backs, uh, including going forward to 2020 with expiring contracts that they. They have on the roster for 2019. So I understand picking a corner. It makes sense. It's sensible. And Lonnie was always going to be a super polarizing guy, right? Like he either checked the boxes that you like and look for or he didn't. And if he didn't, you were going to be super low on him. And for me, I look at long, either press man or cover three type corners. And there were a lot of the guys that I was more comfortable with in this class because they were able to stay tethered to bodies a little cleaner. I thought Lonnie's spatial awareness was something that he got a little too far off the body. He can see a little bit too much space at times. And because of his size and length, clicking close isn't necessarily something that he's really going to hang his hat on. So Lonnie's more logical of a pick, even though I didn't like it for the value that it was. And I didn't like it because... There were other corners available, but I at least get the pick. And if I'm wrong on that one, I'm willing to be wrong on that. I'm willing to be wrong on some of these guys if the risk assessment screams to me that you're going to have some problems along the way. And if Houston either catches lightning in a bottle or they're able to really coach him up and he plays to or above his draft spot, you tip your hat and you learn from him and you move on. I like their next three picks, though. Sharping, Kyle Waring, and Charles Amenihue. Uh Sharping was a surprise at 55, but I'm fine with it. I think he could play inside or outside. Uh, obviously, his banner game is against Brian Burns in Florida State. He had a good showing in that football game. I think Sharping's more ready to play than what Titus Howard is. And... Um, He's solid. He's sticky. He, he's not spectacular. He's, he's kind of the antithesis of Titus Howard, where his ceiling's not super high. He doesn't meet all the thresholds that you want from an offensive tackle. Um, but I feel like he can come in, and, and as a technician, he can play right away. Uh, Kyle Waring from San Diego State was interesting, right? Because the, the, the Texans have kind of struggled at tight end over recent years, right? They haven't really been able to it? Was it Owen Daniels was the last one that, that you really had in Houston that you felt great about? So Houston last year took Jordan Thomas in the sixth and Jordan Aikens in the third. And now they've taken another third round pick with Cahill Waring and added him to the mix. I will say this. I think Waring is the best of the bunch. Aikens and Thomas. Waring's got them both. Waring's not quite as, uh explosive as Aikens was um but kind of similar profile as a guy that was a little bit of a project they they got very different backgrounds but they're both multi-sport athletes Kyle Warren uh only started playing football as uh, senior of high school so he's got a lot of untapped potential with his athletic ability and his blocking skills and then Charles Menahue, you no know, Houston not having a fourth round pick they had 3 Three in the top fifty-five, four in the top one hundred, and then they don't pick again until one sixty-one. And I think they get their best player in the in the draft class at one sixty-one at Charles Menahue. Uh Love his projection into the Texans' defensive line. Uh, obviously, losing Christian Covington hurts, and I think Mennehieu is is perfectly capable of playing that type of role. And uh, if you want to put Watt and a in the B gaps or or as of four-eye alignments on passing situations, I think them as inside rushers with guys outside of them, into Davion Clowney and Whitney Merciless. It makes a ton of sense. rest of their picks, Xavier Crawford and Cullen Gillespie. Um, That's kind of the meat and potatoes of the Houston Texans draft class, and I I really do feel like their best pick was Charles O'Manahue, but if I'm Deshaun Watson or if I'm a Deshaun Watson fan or a Houston Texans fan, I'm very concerned with the direction that we chose to go along the offensive line uh, with the uh, lack of self uh, self scouting that like hey, maybe we want to get a guy that's like pro ready early on and stop swinging for the fences with the ceiling and start you know factoring in the floor a little bit. Uh, Titus Howard will have a chance, of course, to prove me and all the other uh, pundits and fans and uh, folks in general who are skeptical of his selection as a top 25 pick out of Alabama State. Uh, And I hope he does. You know, I caught a little flack over the weekend for poking fun at the Giants, for posting a video of uh, Daniel Jones dropping quote unquote dimes. Uh, which was fullback swing passes and screens and a couple throws down the field. But the the majority of the throws were in the backfield. And I poked fun at the video saying you made a highlight video of fullback swing passes. And Giants fans are very upset with me and saying, you know, can't believe you're rooting for Daniel Jones to fail. No one's rooting for anyone to fail. I'm poking fun at the process and I'm poking fun at the Giants Because they know they've got to sell this pick hard now. They know people are skeptical about the pick. So uh, I'm not rooting for anybody to fail, and I would love nothing more than guys like Titus Howard and Lonnie Johnson to outperform my expectations. And I will be more than happy to admit that I was wrong, and I will look at those individual cases under a microscope and see why I was wrong and hopefully learn from them. Hopefully you guys learned something today. Why don't you come back tomorrow, hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast. No takes on takes this week because we are absent of Joe. Wait, no, let's not do that. Let's do takes on takes tomorrow. You guys got hot takes? I'm recording tomorrow, probably around noon. Hashtag takes on takes or hashtag tattle takes. Get your hot takes in. I will tackle your hot takes solo version on Draft Dudes tomorrow. Come back and see us then. Kyle Krabs signing off.